back to Unleashed. Man, it is so good to be back in the studio with you guys. It's been the last couple of weeks, been traveling quite a bit, but today we have some really fun stuff in store for you. And uh, we're going to have a friend of mine in here that I think a lot of you are going to be familiar with. But before we get into that today, Eric, have you got a question for us? Hello, yes. Uh, I have two questions. These, these both come to Colorado again. Okay. I don't know. The guy didn't say if I should say his name or not, so we won't. Uh, he wants to know if when you're target practice shooting, mm-hmm. do you practice with broadheads? Yeah, you got to do both. Um, you know, when you're shooting a field point, um, depending upon what poundage, obviously, you're using, what and actually what altitude, too, because that affects the flight of the arrow, um, you got to shoot both. They, they created um, expandable broadheads years ago because when, they, when bow speeds started getting really fast, like over 285 feet a second, when you have a fixed broadhead, you know, it's, it's, you have to tune it because the way that it flies and the way your fletchings are lined up, um, it can have what's called a planing effect. Maybe not at the real short range. You start getting out 25, 30, 40 yards, and you'll notice sometimes your broadheads, if they're not tuned right, they're not going to hit where you're aiming. So and then they but then they made the um, the expandable broadheads which open you know one impact and they shoot m- more like a field point, but yeah with the whole thing like that you you need to be shooting both especially if you're shooting a fixed broadhead. So okay, uh, his other question is uh, what are the best hunting arrows? Oh man, there you know here's the thing it's like most archery equipment now they all work. Um, okay. You know, I've got sponsors in different areas. They all work. The straightness of the arrow, you know, there were some that were like .007 or something, Trophy Ridge made years ago. Um, Black Eagle are great. Gold tips are great. But, yeah, there's they're, they're all good now. Are they made out of aluminum or are they carbon fiber now? Or? Well, yeah, you got both. I used to shoot um, Easton FMJs, which is a combination of both. They're a real heavy arrow. Like when I'd be out with elk or bear or something, that would be more like what I'd be using. But for whitetails, you can go with the thinner, smaller diameter arrows. And, yeah, they, they're, they're all, they all work. Okay. All right. That's that's it. Ready to get into it? Okay, let's All do right. it. Hey, I have got uh, a guest with me today, and I could read a whole big bio, but we're going to go through this bio, basically, as we're kind of talking here. But um, Josh Kaufman is here in the studio with me today. Josh, how many years have we known each other? Oh, man. Um, I don't even know. At least... Well, we both know David Attenborough's. <laughs> We were just talking about that. We were wondering Absolutely. if he sounded like he does now when he was 20. Yeah, I mean, you would think he had to. It <laughs> was his job, too. Well. He's got that incredible <laughs> voice. But, Josh, um, man, you, you've you got an incredible journey. And what's neat is to have known you since you were maybe five years old. Oh, you got... You got it looked enormous. <laughs> And from its size and markings, I was quite sure that it was a python, and therefore non-poisonous, which was something of a relief. So I thought, he sounds oh, young, in that clip. Yeah, he was just a kid. That's crazy. Oh man! So as we get going, just reminded me in 2006, I was in South Africa with a buddy of mine. And I, I, I shared a little bit of the story once before, but we're down this back road. We're, we're in the middle of nowhere, five, 40 miles from the nearest town. And we see the snake going across the ground. And, and as we were driving, and it was a black mamba. You know, it's like one of the deadliest snakes yeah. in the world. And so we, we shoot this whole segment, you know, we caught it by hand. Dumbest thing we've ever done. Jeez. I know, it's really stupid now. <laughs> um, and actually, we should come back to that when we're talking, because one of our topics today will absolutely fit in perfect with that. It's going to sound weird that it does, but it does. All right. But... 
people were asking me, I said, what was that, you know, like? And I said, well, to be honest with you, I wasn't the first one to go after the snake. If you remember that old television show, Wild Kingdom, mm-hmm. and uh, what was the guy? Um, Marlon Perkins was the, the host, and Jim was his sidekick. Jim was the guy that, you know, he, Marlon would say, I'll stay here in the truck while Jim wrestles the giant <laughs> anaconda. I was that role, you know. But anyhow, we'll come back to that. But anyhow, let me go back to where we were. We've known each other since... David Attenborough I mean, was 20, maybe. Yeah, I don't there know. There you go. A long time. But it was your mom I met first, mm-hmm. and that was at Warner Southern College. Yep. And that is in Lake Wales? Lake Wales, Florida. Lake Wales, Florida. Yeah. And you grew up there for a while before you moved to Virginia, correct? Yeah. I, I was born in on the Gulf Coast of Florida in, like, Sarasota area. But oh, yeah. early on, um, I was I think I was probably— three when we when I moved with my mom to Lake Wales so she could go to college there. Yeah, because I remember I was traveling for another college you went to, which was, was it Anderson University yet when you were there? Was it, it Anderson was. College? It was. Okay. When I was there, it was university. Well, you're much younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's how I met her. We were traveling for, with a college group down there, and that's how I first met her. And then um, I think I saw you again when you came back. You were now college age and going to Anderson and this is going to be, here we go. Let's just kind of get into this. It's kind of fun. All right. Um, you've got a really diverse background between being a really deep thinker, which I have so much respect for, and honestly, probably being the best male voice I've ever heard. Oh, thanks. And, uh, well, and <laughs> Yeah. And, and those of you who know Josh, you, you know that about him. Um, but you were 16? When and you were on a show, what was it called? Star Search. Star Search. Ed McMahon. Star with, Search. Oh yeah, the guy that laughed all the time with Johnny Carson. Yes, <laughs> I remember that. Um, what in the world? How did you end up getting into that? So I was. Uh, we had moved to uh, Virginia. My my stepdad is a pastor there. Still pastors the same church there in Blacksburg, Virginia, and I was uh, I was going to high school, um, and I went to my junior prom and the band took a break uh in the middle of in the middle of the night to just kind of i don't know they were doing some kind of awards thing or something but once once that was all over my friends were like oh josh go sing a song go sing a song see if the band will let you sing a song i was like i don't know they're like no you got to do it so i went up there and i sang i just did one of my original songs that i had written back then and uh played on the keyboard that the guy had and sang and that was it and then afterwards the bass player in the band came up and found me and said hey uh i do a little bit of like talent search stuff for the show star search would you be interested in trying that out and i was just like sure (laughs) so so the bass player in a band that was playing for your high school is somehow like a talent scout yeah some yeah and so we went to his studio in Roanoke, Virginia, and I recorded a couple songs, sent in like a VHS videotape. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, and then a few weeks later, found out they were going to have me on the show. Did you have to go through like a, you know, like a sing-off or anything to get on there? Or did they just hear, hear it and go? That was it. That was it. That was it. Yeah. It was just go send in the tape, hear back, I'm on the show. Man, things have changed. Yes. <laughs> so, Okay. So funny story. We were just talking about this, and I'll share this. So I remember you coming up to the college, and I had heard, you know, this this kid was on Star Search. Man, you got to hear his voice. And I think I heard you sing the first time. Was it East Side 
there was a church, Eastside Church of God over yep. there. And I heard you and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't remember him, but he was, you know, he could hardly talk yet. But sure. <laughs> um, at the time when I, when I was saying I met your mom, when I was touring with this college group, true story, we were doing like summer tours. Did you do some of that too with Anderson? Yeah, 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 I thought you did. Yeah, I did one summer where I went out and toured different churches and stuff. Yeah. Well, and it was great because they give you a van sound yeah. system and they, you know, get you hotels, all this fun stuff. Yep. But there was there was three of us and it was one of those things where it was just, uh, hey, you got three young guys and we got a van and we got a summer and we do music. This and it's paid for. Right. This is awesome. <laughs> so we're going down through um, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And the, the two brothers that I used to sing with, Stephen Herb Chapman, they were from um, Paducah, Kentucky, actually. And they used to work down at Opryland in different places. But we went through there and we saw this billboard, what was then called Silver Dollar City, which I think is Dolly World or something now. Okay. And the billboard said um, um, semifinal talent show tonight. And so I, I looked at Steve and I go, hey, I think we might be able to get into that. And he goes, nah, we can't. It's semifinals. I said, if I can get us in, will you do it? He's like, yeah, right. He's just kind of blowing me off, right? So I walk up to this lady at the, at the front gate and I said, hey, is there any chance we could get into that competition tonight? She goes, well, I doubt it. Semifinals. And I said, yeah, I figure she was, let me, let me get on the radio. So she gets on this, you know, this big old radio. It's like size of my coffee cup here. Right. And she's calling someone backstage or whatever. And they said, Hey, we had a cancellation tonight. Are those guys any good? So she looks at me and she goes, you guys any good? And I said, well, I, I think we are, <laughs> you know? And so I turn around to Steve and I'm going, we're in. And he's like, Oh, great. So we're, we're all the way across this, this amusement park or whatever. We have dollies and we're wheeling all of our own stuff only to get over to find out, no, we already have their own stuff. You just come all over there, you know, just plug your stuff in. We'll sound check and get you going. So we get into this band competition and I don't remember how many bands there were that night, maybe eight or 10 or whatever. And at the end of the night, we find out we won. Well, here's the problem with all that. The winner was going to get, um, I forget how much money it was. And a, a, an appearance on Ed McMahon's Star Search. Now you okay. see where I'm going with this. Yeah. And a record contract. Well, we looked at our, our calendar and said, we're going to be in Texas two weeks from now. That's, that, we can't do it. Well, the band that ended up winning that night went on to win the whole thing. And some of you might remember that band by the name of Sawyer Brown. Jeez, that is crazy. This is so funny. So Josh comes over to my house. I said, why don't you just pull up to my house? We'll ride over to the studio together. And what's funny is... My, my 14-year-old daughter, she's upstairs, and, you know, I, she's, she's heard about you. And I said, well, he was on The Voice. You know, she was upstairs, and she was really tired, and I think it was more of just a long day. And right. Anyhow, she didn't come downstairs. But she would always say this to me. She goes, now, you, you toured with all these people. Why aren't you famous? <laughs> I said, yeah, I just like I to mean, hang around with famous people. There you go. So that's not why you're here. <laughs> but I think your story is a big part of why you're here. Yeah. And so Ed McMahon, Star Search, you went to that. And I, I did watch an interview after the show. And I, I forget whether, yeah, it was it was after you had won The Voice. There you go. I just gave it away out of the bag. In case you want to go back and watch season six. Season six yeah. of The Voice. Yeah. Well, now I just gave away an old secret. Um, <laughs> but you said something about at that time you were 16. And you yeah. said, you know, I just really didn't, basically appreciate the, how big that moment was. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But at 16, how do you? Right. Yeah. No, I just kind of thought, oh, this is, this is the next thing I'm going to do. And 
whatever comes of it comes of it and uh, I'll move on from here. I, I didn't really know how to, you know, and like I said, it was sort of just fell in my lap. So I wasn't out pursuing it as something I wanted to do it. And I went to Florida to MGM studios and won a couple times and lost the third time and went home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always wonder. You watch these shows and you go, what happens to that person that didn't make right. it to the... I just, I told you this. I think I was in South Carolina about a month ago and I texted you. Yeah, yeah. And I go, man, we're at this, like this big, I don't know, it was like a 60s, 70s, 80s rock thing. It was a big show, you know, okay. it was like this, like those dinner theaters, but they're bigger than a dinner. You had like amphitheater seating. And this guy, he comes out and he's all dressed up funky and everything. And he's singing and dancing and he's doing the, the MC. And then he opens it up for questions. And someone said, so, you know, how did you get to be the MC? And he goes, well, I was on this television show called The Voice. And my, my, like my, my youngest was sitting beside right. me and she's looking at me. And she goes, wasn't that what Josh was on? I said, yeah, it was The Voice. And I couldn't remember what year this guy had been on. And someone right. says, what year was that? He goes, well, that would have been season six. And I looked at him <laughs> and I go, he lost. <laughs> Josh won. And so the next question is, um, did you win that year? And he puts his head down and he goes, no. Ah. He said, this guy named Josh Kaufman. He goes, but he's a really great guy. Oh, he goes, man. I beat him in one of the sing-offs. Yeah, yeah. He said that from stage. Yeah. So there you go. Next it's time you true. talk to him, you can say, what do you, what do you, ah. <laughs> but that was kind of a cool moment for her. And, and honestly, this kind of podcast, I can't wait. Cause you know, she's like, he's doing his podcast thing, but she's a singer. She loves music. Sure. And I'm, I'm anxious for her to be able to kind of hear what it was like for someone who did love music that decided to pursue what their dreams are. And I think for many of you out there right now, where we're getting ready to go, um, you know, I don't want to say put on your seatbelts, but I want you to listen close because knowing what I know about Josh's story, um, he's been on an amazing journey, as I've said about a dozen times now, between discovering that he had a real gift for music and that the designer of everything that there is had an amazing Plan, purpose, destination, journey, all those things. What did they say? The journey is the destination. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, man, let me just kind of open it up and tell us your journey. Like from that time, where where you went, what you did, um, how God opened up this amazing because you and I would sit in the studio sometimes when everybody else was doing their thing, right? They right. go to lunch, right? And we talk about deep stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just didn't kind of fit in with all the. No. Yeah, the small talk. And the, <laughs> but that, when we would connect, it'd be like, okay, I can talk to this guy. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm old enough now that my story is getting too long, but um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to, I'll try to condense. So, um, grew up in uh, really similar background to what I hear a lot of people say their background was when I, when I talk about, you know, growing up in the, for me in the eighties. Um, and I, it was, uh, I went to church on, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. Yes. Yep. And, uh, I mean, then that was a, that was a huge part of my life. And, um, and I don't, I, I didn't, I don't regret that. And I didn't, I didn't hate it. You know, some kids are like, ah, I hated that I had to do that. And I got out of it as soon as I could. And I, I just embraced it. I went all in. And, um, <clears throat> by the time I was in high school doing the, and I did the star search thing, I came back home, uh, had a couple more years of high school. By the time I got out of high school, I took a couple years off before I went to Anderson. And, um, I, uh, I was leading my youth group and, doing 
you know, Christian concerts of my original music. Right. And, and I thought I was going to go, you know, once I decided I'm going to go to school, um, well, uh, well, let me flash back a little bit before that. I, I, I was trying to decide what to do in those two years. And I stayed at home and, and uh, like I said, was doing the youth at our church. And I was uh, working at the, the daycare that was a part of our church. I was, I, I led the after school program for the older kids. And so you were changing poopy diapers? Well, I, no, I was, okay. I was not in with those kids. This is kids. older than yes, those. I okay. Was, all right. I was, Just making sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, Stinky job. Uh, so, and, and that was kind of what I did, but I, I really, I was like, man, I just, I want to do, I want to know what the thing is. What am I supposed to do? Where am I going? I, I just want to make the right decisions. I want to do the right thing. What do you want me to do, God? And so I prayed about it and thought about it. And, uh, one night when I was probably, I think I was 19 years old. Um, I was, uh, I was in my room, uh, reading my Bible, um, on my bed, everybody was asleep. I was the only one awake. And, um, I was kind of like on my elbows laying down my Bible laid open in front of me. It was the big, the big Oxford annotated oh, yeah. like beast of a Bible. Um, and I don't know, I think I was reading in like the gospel of John or something, but I took a minute to stop and just kind of think about what I was reading, maybe say a prayer or whatever. And I looked back at my Bible and it was on a different page than what it had been on. And there must have been a fan blowing in the room, right? Well, and I, there actually was, and I, <laughs> I, but I went and I was like, okay, could this, this probably what was, what was doing it right. And I like looked and the fan wasn't even blowing in that direction. Pages were not moving at all. And so I was like, what was my, is the air on? And so I like dragged a chair over and like felt the <laughs> vent and like, it was kind of blowing, but it, it wasn't doing anything. I'm like, I got back on the bed lit sitting how I was and started to try and like nudge it just to see what would happen. And like, I couldn't really see how this happened in any way that made sense to me. So I was like, all right, um, I'm, a, I'm at least going to read here and see what, if anything stands out to me, cause this is weird. <laughs> and, um, it was in the book of acts, uh, acts 26, uh, 16 through 18 is what jumped out at me. And it was Paul um, giving an account of his conversion experience in front of King Agrippa when he's on trial. And, um, and basically he's telling what he heard. And then it's like quotes and it says, but get up and stand on your feet for I've appeared to you for this purpose mm -hmm. uh, to, a, to appoint you to basically uh, speak about the things that I've shown you and the things that you will see to the, the you know, to go out and tell people about what you've seen. And I, I was like, I was like, this is it. All right. This is what I've been waiting for. And I mean, it was amazing, this unbelievable experience. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. What's the next thing, God, what do I do? How do I do this? And I didn't hear anything. Yeah. I, I didn't know. And, and I kept waiting, like, okay, well, do I, do I go to college? Do I do this? Do I do that? And I, and it was just, it just felt like silence. Um, like I'd had this huge experience and then, and then nothing. And, um, well, I, that was like a year into being living at home after high school. And so we go through another year and I'm like, well, one way or another, I have to make a decision because I don't think they want me in the house much longer. Right, right. <laughs> so um, I decided to do what lots of uh, 
people who grow up in the church of God and have any musical ability do. I went to, uh, Waiter. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I went to Anderson, Anderson right, university. Right. Cause I had heard, you know, Oh, there's lots of people who are musicians who have gone there. And, and so, all right. You know, the Gaithers are around there and Sandy Patty, Sandy Patty, Stephen Curtis yep, Chapman. Exactly. All these, yeah. Exactly. So I was like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do the, I'm going to be a contemporary Christian musician star or whatever. Right. Right. So I go and, uh, Still feel like I, I went into that thinking like I don't a hundred percent know that this is the right thing, but I'm just I'm I have to do something. I have to just trust Put it in gear. trust yep. that things are gonna go the right way. And um uh, I got I expected to come to school and find a bunch of like minded people. And what I found was um a lot of people who thought a lot of different ways about a lot of different things. Some kids who had really conservative beliefs about God, some kids who had really liberal beliefs and, and more progressive beliefs about religion and God, some people who didn't believe anything and they were just there because their parents made them come there. Right. And, and so I started hearing a lot more voices than I expected to hear. And, and then I got into my classes and I realized I don't really love being a vocal performance major, even though I was there on a vocal performance uh, scholarship. Yep. And so I dropped that and I switched to music business and I was like, I don't yep. like this either. And so then I was a nothing major for a while. And then I took a philosophy class and I was like, oh, okay, I can, the I plane can, has landed. this is this, if I'm going to study anything, this makes sense to me. This is, this is what I want. These are the questions that I'm asking already. And, and so I got, I got into philosophy classes and started really thinking things through and, and kind of trying to look back at at my faith and what I grew up with and, and some of my questions about about God and heaven and hell and, and how does all of that work. And, and I ultimately, after a couple of years, came to a place where I just had to let it all go. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like I could honestly say... I believe all of this stuff that I feel that I've been told I'm supposed to believe. And, and so now these days you hear a lot about people talking about, um, deconstructing their faith. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a catch word. Um, and and that wasn't a catch word back then. I didn't have that word to go with. So I just did demolition instead of (laughs) deconstruction. Um, I just tore the whole thing down. Um, but I, I, I kind of made a deal with the God that I wasn't sure I believed in at that point. And I just said, if you're out there, um, show me something, you know, like I just want truth and I don't care what that looks like. I just want to find truth. Um, and, and I'll take it, whatever it is. It, It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me, but I, I don't feel like I'm holding on to the thing that I've been holding on to is, is, is there yet. Um, so I, I let it all go and, uh, ended up, uh, taking another couple years off of school and just kind of playing music for a while. I, I moved out to California for a few weeks with a friend of mine and, and didn't have any idea how to get started out there. So I moved back and went to Nashville, Tennessee with another friend of mine for a few months and was like, I, I, I played, uh, played some music for some of my originals for people down in Nashville. And, and they were like, man, that's really good stuff, but you don't belong here. You belong in California. I was like, well, I already went out there (laughs) and that didn't work. They're probably going, yeah, buddy, that doesn't fly. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. So, um, so I ended up coming back, uh, to Indiana. Um, and, uh, uh, 
finished up, decided to finish up my, uh, my philosophy degree at IUPUI. Um, still playing around town, so I'm just doing my original music, playing in, in bars and restaurants and wherever. And we were starting to do, I think at that time, studio work yes. together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And all, yeah, that was kind of uh, through all that time. And even at the end of when I was at Anderson, I kind of, it was kind of when I first started doing studio work, and that's where... I remember it, because I think the first time that I think I met you, I did ask about your family. I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember you. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. What year, do you remember what that time frame, when that was? When when I started? Yeah. That would have been, so I came to Anderson in 95, and I think I probably started doing the first sessions that I did were like 97, 98. Um, and then okay. when I came back is when I started doing a lot more, um, and then that would have been early 2000s. Yeah, because I moved away in 2002, and I was gone for about five years. Okay. And then I came back, because I knew there was a gap. Anyhow, yeah. go back yeah. to where you were. So um, you finished up your degree. Finished you, up to my degree. Um, still wasn't sure what to do. Still doing a lot of searching, reading, asking questions, whatever. Um, and still, still thinking, I had this idea in my head that at some point I was going to land on an answer about the God question. Like that was, it was, it kind of consumed my thinking, but yeah. that was, that was really important to me. And I was like, okay, I'm, if I keep searching some right now, I'm not sure, but one day I'm going to just, I'm going to figure it out and I'll, and that, and then I'll be good. <laughs> and, uh, and so I ended up, uh, I ended up going back to, to school. I went to grad school at Northern Illinois university for philosophy thinking maybe I'll, maybe I'll teach, maybe I'll go into academia. And I, I did that for a couple of years and didn't love the, as I started to learn about it, I didn't love the politics of being a professor in a university. And and, and you I, were teaching, uh, was it students too? Also, sorry, I, I was political or not, I can't even talk now. Um, <laughs> what was it? Helping them with their, uh, Test prep stuff. Yes, test prep. Yeah, I started doing that right after I did grad school. I, I still was kind of like a, I decided I didn't want to go into the academic world, and so I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Um, and by this time, I was I was married, and um, I got married in 2006, which is actually when I started that grad program. Um, and so we had our first kid in 2008. One of 50. One correct? of yeah. <laughs> oh wait, five. Sorry. Right, right. It feels like 50 feels sometimes. Like 50. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so I, I'm, you know, I'm married, I have a kid and I'm decided grad school wasn't going the direction I thought it was going to go. So, and then I decided, well, maybe I just really need to focus on the music stuff, but I, I can't just do that and go play terrible gigs for 50 bucks and I, I've got to make right. some money. Um, so I, I started doing the test prep stuff for SAT, ACT, GMAT, GRE, LSAT, all the, all the standardized tests. I kind of got certified to, through the Princeton review to, to, wow. to teach people well, all that stuff. You need to change your accent now. You know that. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Exactly. Um, so I did that for a while and, uh, and, and, Still was trying to play around town and was just, I wasn't, I wasn't making any money at it. I wasn't getting any bigger or more popular. And, and I really decided I, I want to focus on music. I, this is, I'm, I've always been a musician. This is probably where I'm going to find, you know, my satisfaction in life. And I, I've got to focus on this. I've got to make something of it. And how am I going to do that? Cause I can't, I can't take the traditional route of play the, the crappy gigs until you get right. to the good ones. I've right. got, I need a jump from from here to somewhere else pretty quickly. And I was never one to watch those, those 
TV singing shows. Um, I but I had seen like two or three episodes of The Voice. And I thought, well, if I was going to do one of these shows, this is probably the one I'd try. Which was actually convenient because none of the other ones would have let me on at the point at that point because I was too old. <laughs> <laughs> the, you were thirty. I was thirty-eight. Yeah. yeah, you were like the oldest, the oldest to ever win yeah, the show. I think right. I still am. See, I I, yeah. I pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, yeah, I've you know I've I've tried all of these things and gone down all these paths, and I think okay, the music is going to be it, and I I made it, and I, I so I I just on a whim after I decided this, I sent in the little online entrance thing and, and to sign up to go do one of the open call auditions. Where was that? St. Louis. St. Louis. That's yeah. right. Because we were supposed to be on a studio session. Together, oh, that's right. Yes. And you were gone. And I'm like, where is he? And someone goes, I know, but I can't tell you. I'm like, you have to kill me if I find out. Right, right. Like, well, I can't really say anything, but it's a voice thing. And I'm like, because yeah, that actually that actually was after because I did the St. Louis thing. And then once I made it past you went that to California? California, yeah, they, they I, right. I, I got through the whole thing in St. Louis and they had me come out to the kind of final thing to decide who's going to be on the right. blind auditions. And I had to cancel a studio session yeah. because of that. That's what I remember. Yeah. And uh, yeah, of course, it's don't tell anybody why you're doing this unless you absolutely have to. And yeah, so I, I went went out there, obviously got on the show. Um Went through the whole process. <clears throat> it was, uh, I was very, uh, I was very purposeful and deliberate and strategic about how I, how I did that show. I watched the whole season before mine. Like I said, I never really watched those shows, but I yeah. watched the whole season before mine just to see, like, how does this go? What works for people? And then I tried to like pattern what I did after, after, you know, like, it seems like these kind of songs work and it seems uh -huh. like you got to have a, you got to have a little bit of a, a, a look or something. So I started wearing fedoras, which I had never right. wore before or since. Got to get that brand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, did, did the whole thing and about, about fairly early on, I, I, it just felt like things were going really well with it. And I thought, I don't know. I think I could go pretty far in this thing. And it just always, every week, it just seemed to work out for me. Well, those of you that, that saw season six, if you can remember, um, I'll never forget because they're showing, you know, your, your mom and dad, they're standing out on this in the little area waiting at whatever that is. You, we've all seen that. If you've right. seen the voice, yeah. seeing the family's reaction. And you, what was the song you sang? From my blind audition? Yes. Uh, One More Try by George Michael. And you, yeah, you couldn't have picked a better vocalist. What an amazing vocalist. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the second you started singing there, they're showing, I see Adam, boom, yeah. hits that thing. After and, I said like two words. Yeah. And then your mom, <laughs> she's in there going nuts, you know, out there. And then I think it was um, Blake. Mm -hmm. Blake went. And then was it Christina was on that season? No, that no, was, it was Shakira. Was it? Shakira. And then she goes, and then Usher's Usher waited and, waited and waited and waited. And then finally he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was sitting there going, this is a guy I've been singing with in the studio. Because, you know, when you're doing group vocals, you you're don't trying really, to blend. You're trying to blend. Yeah, yeah. And I can, I can remember you getting up and they'd say, hey, Josh, sing that solo. And you'd open your mouth and all of our heads would go, I mean, our jaws were on the floor going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> So when I knew you were going to be on the show, I'm like, this is going to be good. So anyhow, so I want to know, too, as you're saying this, you watched the whole season before. I kind of see what it was like. Mm -hmm. What's it like behind the scenes, the stuff that the rest of us, you know, you're making commercials. and yeah. all. What's your schedule like on a daily basis with that? It, 
it changes the further you go along. So early on, there's a lot of a lot of downtime, and you're just kind of uh, sequestered at this hotel, and you can't go anywhere, and you just wait until they until you have like a time that you're supposed to go, you know, sit in a studio and do an interview, and you know, uh, be on camera for something. Um, but the further you get along, the get it gets to be early mornings, late nights, lots of like, lots, lots of footage, tons and tons and tons of footage to get the little yeah. one minute snippet that like you see. Like people taking selfies and cropping oh, them and changing everything. So much going on by the end of it. Um, and not a lot of sleep. Um, I got to the very end, the very last week, I actually lost my voice. I can, I think it was, it was at the very end of the last song you did or something knowing your voice, you went up to do something and I, and I started to hear a little bit of something, but it was at the very end of the song. Right. And I went, no one's going to notice that because yeah. everything was nails. Sure. And I'm going, I was all he's tired. I had all kinds of, uh, steroids in my body at that oh, yeah. point too. I mean, I couldn't, if I hadn't, I wouldn't have been able to sing that last week. I just couldn't. Cause I think coming into that last line or something in a song, you could do this kind of a high gravel thing. And then that's when I went, and then you went to this high falsetto thing real right, high. Right. And I went, it blew everybody away so much to hear that. I was like, I didn't really hear that other thing. Sure, sure. Yeah, sorry, I just remember. No, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, can, I mean, I can go back and listen to that and hear how it wasn't my, it wasn't me, my normal voice. And I, most people wouldn't, right? I mean, because I know how my voice is. When I get tired like that, I know my voice well enough to go, yeah, yeah, right, right. But it was the the steroids got me through the last yep. week, and um, and yeah, I, I, you know, obviously it. As far as the way the show is supposed to go and what you're trying for, it went as well as it could. Uh, I won that season, uh, went on the voice tour that summer, which is actually the only time they've done a tour for the show. Um, we went and just uh, played a bunch of bunch of like uh, uh, probably 500 seat kind of uh, theaters around around the country, um, and then got back and um, did. Uh, <laughs> started working on trying to get a recording out um, and uh, um, worked with some different songwriters and producers. And Do they put you, does like the voice put you in touch with those people? Like, cause you finished up with Usher, right? Right. Yeah. You were on his team when you won. Yep. Do they start saying, Hey, I want to introduce you to, you know, some of these writers or how does that? No. Um, it was very just, all right, next season. I mean, it was very, I was done. Um, and yeah, we all kind of wonder what happens. Yeah. With that. And I think, I don't think everybody has the same experience. Um, I think it varies from, from person to person to some degree. Um, but I think, I think early on in the show, they, they thought they had to break an artist to really keep things going. I think by my season, they realized, oh, people will watch this show no matter what happens with the artists. Like they just yeah. like seeing the show. Yeah. And it's about the, the judges, not about the, the people, right, right, um, right. the contestants. So um, I, they weren't worried. They weren't worried about putting, I mean, you get a record deal with Republic Records. They're like the biggest record label in the world. They're not going to put time and money into some new artist when they've got these huge artists already. With who, big platforms yeah, and all yeah, that. Yep, yeah, yeah, yep. So, um, and, and that that was fine. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of understood that uh, and, and wasn't, all that surprised by it, but it was, it was a little bit of like, I didn't know what yeah. to expect coming out of it. What is, what is going to happen? Who is going to work with me? How much they, they, they put me with an A&R guy whose last, 
last hit he had come up with was like in 1984. <laughs> you said something. You said something about the amount of time that it took to do the show away from your family. That was an eye opener for you because you oh, had yeah. no idea how much time that yeah, was going to take. Yeah, no, I, I was there for a month for the blind audition, just wow. the one episode. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I had no idea it would be that. But you think, oh, two or three days. Yeah, no, one month, and then I came home for a few months. That was in uh, like September, October of 2013, and then in 2014, I went back in January, was there for a few more weeks for the battle rounds, and then went back again in March, and I was there from March to May to film the the last episodes. Well, then then I went on tour after I was done. Then I got uh, was it uh, Pippin. Then I yeah I got yeah. they got in touch with me for the Broadway show and for to do Pippin um, which I d- didn't see coming at all had no yeah that's a left turn Clyde. yeah I was not shooting for that at all and um, but I, I it was it was it was a, something fun to try to do the acting side of things and and uh, it was a very physical show a lot of like acrobatics and stuff so I had to really get in shape okay here's something I didn't see this you know where I'm going with this we'd be on a studio session on a break. And we would just be sitting in there, and I go, "Hey, Josh, can you still do that handstand thing?" <laughs> he would be sitting like in the Indian position, right, with his legs crossed, that kind of thing. You'd see, and he would put his hands down on the floor, and he could do a handstand out of that position. And I, he would just hold. It. I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, I don't know that I could do that anymore. But I used to, be, yeah, I used to like I get on like a chair, like and put one hand on the seat of the chair and one hand on the the back and just kind of push up and do it. It was, I don't know. But anyway, I had to do a ton of stuff on this, on the, in the show. I had to do like this guy, like I had to do like a backflip up over somebody and climb a pole while singing, like climb a pole and run across (laughs) something and get shot up on a Russian bar. And then I remember the first night I finished this one song that was really, really physical like that. And I, I sang the last note and I was like, there's no way I can do, I can't even say the next word that I have to say, but yeah, somehow I got through it. And as I got used to it night after night, I, 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 it was, it, it worked. I was able to do it, but, um, um, but yeah, anyway, did the Broadway show. I was, I was living in New York for a while. My family came out when they could see me, when they could get away from school and my kids were, yeah. you know, on breaks. I, this was during the fall after I was on the show in the spring and, uh, um, did that ended up, uh, having some, uh, a, a another Christmas show a couple years later that I went back to Broadway for. Um, so I was gone. I was gone a decent amount. I tried not to be gone too much, um, but definitely had some traveling to do. Um, but I, I think the thing to, to kind of, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I get I can get into all of the little things that I, there were a lot of little things that you over the Yuletide, I did Yuletide a couple times with the uh, Indianapolis symphony orchestra. Um, I, I headlined the indie jazz fest. Yep. Um, I saw you done at Connor Prairie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so lots of big things. And if you, if you list them all out and you put them all together, it looks real good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, and people are impressed and, and that's great. Um, but from that time, from that, from 2014 till about 2018, um, is probably the most, uh, out of place and depressed that I've ever been in my life. Um, and I know you hear that, you hear that story from, from so many people. They always, yeah, I've, I've heard so many people say like, you look at me, this was, this was my high point. Remember that? Yeah. That was the worst I've ever felt. Um, and, and I, that it was true. I mean, I'm, I have a little bit of a tendency toward depression. Um, and by 2018, um, 
I really, really fell into it um, and kind of spiraling down. Um, I, I felt I, going into the voice, I always felt like, okay, I'm going to do this thing and then I'll be able to work it towards what I, what, what I, really I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you, you can't really do that. <laughs> well, it's like we said earlier with that Steve Perry comment from Journey when he said, uh, you know, fame is a mistress and you have to keep feeding her. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, people develop an expectation of you when you yeah. win a show or something like that. When you come out of that, they, they know what they saw you being and they know what they want you to be. Um, and I, I wasn't that <laughs> really. And I tried to kind of find an in-between um, and, and that, that didn't work. And, and I think, you know, and a lot of it comes down to as well. I was, I was looking for, this was my, this was my last kind of like, okay, I'm going to, music's going to be the thing and it hasn't worked for me yet. I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to, I'm going to see what, what happens. And the best thing possible that could have happened, happened. And I wasn't fulfilled remotely, like not even close. I was, I wasn't even, it didn't even begin to make me happy. In fact, it was worse than before in some way. Um, And so then it was like, okay, I don't know. I'm out of ideas. Like I don't, I've, and, and I've asked all these questions and I'm amidst all of this, I'm still asking my God question. Like, okay, where do I land on this? Is, is there a God? Is there no God? Is, am I, is the religion that I grew up with the wrong one? And I just haven't found the right one yet. What about that? And I'm, I'm continuing to want to land on that right answer. And I, you know how you have like these moments, um, that you remember certain specifics about them. And it's like, why do I remember that, that Mm -hmm. aspect? It doesn't make any sense. So I remember this moment. I was walking through my kitchen. (laughs) It was late at night. I had, I I think I had like walked out of the bathroom and I'm walking through my kitchen and all of a sudden it just hit me. You're not ever going to answer this question. You're never going to come to an answer. It's been 20 whatever years. (laughs) Like there's not another book to read. There's not another like way of thinking about this. You just can't answer this question. Like you're not going to know and you're going to have to be okay with that. And, and there was a sense of like, okay, yeah, that, that there was a little bit of a peace and like a letting go in that. And, but looking back now, um, I think that was like the beginning of, of, the real journey for me was, was being able to let go of my, uh, putting everything on my own ability to find an answer and, and answer the biggest question. Yeah. He had to let you go find out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, wow. What kind of love is that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's funny. I, I go back and forth on this. Um, uh, I know I remember years. I don't know. I honestly don't know how, how my stepdad answers this question now, but I remember him talking to me when I was a kid and saying like, he really regretted that he ran away from his, he felt like he was called to ministry as a, like a 17 year old. And then he kind of went off and did his own thing for years and years. And then eventually came back to it and, and, you know, has been a pastor for a long time, but he said, you know, what could God have done with me if I'd have just done it, if I'd have just gone with it right then. And I get that. Um, and I've thought about that in my own life. Like, what if I had just, when I was 19 years old, when that thing happened in my bedroom and, and I, and the Bible pages changed, what if I had just been like, 
okay, I'm, I'm just going to start doing it and see where you lead me. Um, instead of kind of questioning, 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 and then going down this other road for 20 whatever years. But the other way I look at it is I just don't know how I could have done it any other way. Being me as me in this particular life that I was in and the situations that I was in, I just don't know how I could have gone down another road. And I, and looking back, I really do feel like God was there, whether, you know, whether I recognized that or not. And so you, you just said the word weather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes. was this the same night in the kitchen when? No. So, okay. the, so the kitchen thing happened. I started coming out of my depression. You're after coming that. at peace with it now. You're yes. The, okay. Yeah, and a couple months later, this is when all these things start to happen. Um, I uh, a couple months later, I uh, I thought about I, there many times along the way for uh, for all those years that I was searching. There had been a, a number of times when I thought I I should pick up the book "Surprised by Joy" by by C.S. Lewis. And I thought, I thought I had all, I, I, in, in my mind, I had read that when I was like 18 or something and had good memories about it. Um, and I never did go back to it. Never did. And every now and then I'd, that idea would come up in my head. You should read that. And I just never would. And finally, this is early 2019. I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to buy the ebook. I'm going to start reading it. And I would read it here and there over like, you know. Over the course of weeks, um, I'd, every now and then I'd pick it up, read a few pages. It was fine. It, he's a brilliant writer, so even if it's not totally what you want to be reading, it's just he's an engaging writer, right? So I'm reading about his early—it's basically his autobiography from the time he was born until his conversion to Christianity. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm reading the first part of his life about going to school and what he grew up with, and it's fine— um, and then uh, I put it away for a while, didn't come back to it. Get to the summer of 2019. It's uh, August. Um, and I uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to knock out a good chunk of this book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really start getting through it. Was, again, it seems like everything happens for me late at night. So it was, it, it was late at night. Uh, my wife, Jenny, is a, a, a night shift nurse. Uh, she was working that night. I had all the kids in bed. Um, so I was just up and I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read for a while. And so I got into it. And so I finally started getting to the point where he starts talking about uh, not being able to dismiss the idea of there being a God anymore. And it, he feels like, man, I really feel like something's drawing me in here and, and I can't, I can't deny it. Um, and, and I, as he's getting to that point in his book, I feel this real sense of like convergence, like, Oh, you're kind of talking about, I feel like what you're talking about is where my life is right now. And, um, kind of connecting your head yes, and your heart at the yeah, same time for once. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and the more I got into it, it just really, I started having this experience of like connection and feeling like I was being spoken to. Um, I put down the book for a little while and I went outside, uh, sat on my porch and, and the, there were storms off in the distance and you know how you can do the the counting seconds thing to right. see how far, far away it is. Yeah. So I would, the lightning would flash and I'd count and like five seconds for every mile. It was like five miles away at the time. And you'd hear the thunder kind of rolling and, um, uh, just kind of sat out there and thought for a little while. And then I went back inside and, um, 
and I read through the book, read, read through him talking about just really feeling like he not just first he became a theist you know first he was like okay i can't there has to be a god i i have to acknowledge that and and then ultimately he uh you know he he talks about getting into a car to i think he was going he said he was going to the zoo and and somebody was driving him to the zoo he said when i he said i don't know how it happened he's like i don't i'd been thinking about all these things i'd been i'd been you know praying about them he's like i got in that car i wasn't a christian and when I got out of that car, I was a Christian. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so, I, you know, I read his whole experience, all of his arguments, and he, he's, he's so, everything he says is so well-reasoned and yeah, thought out. Um, and so I, it was just a really affecting experience for me. And so, I, I, again, I put the book down. And I'm not the kind of person generally who hears, like, I don't know. Some people say they experience God as like almost an audible voice. So like, do this, go, th- go here, read this. And I don't have those experiences that often or really very at all, I guess I would say. But this was about as close to that as I, I as I've experienced. I really felt something saying like, go back outside. Uh, and so I walked back out on my porch. It's like, you know, I don't know, it's probably two in the morning at this point. Um, and the storms are there now I don't have to count anymore it's like lightning thunder it's it's pouring down rain and I just sat there for a minute and I was like okay I mean what like what (laughs) what do you want me to do and uh I stood up and I I just I reached my hand out from under the the ledge of my porch there and just kind of reached out into the rain and the moment I got my hand out there the sky just lit up I mean you could see everything like daylight and just the loudest crash of thunder like right on top of me and I about fell back into the porch like it felt like I was gonna (laughs) be taken out um but it it you know anybody could have been outside at that point that was that storm wasn't like just this is for you right but it was very for me at the same yeah. at the same time, well, and I think we we we're made up of three parts. I talk about this. I've talked about it before: body, soul, and spirit. Like Paul talks about in was it First Thessalonians five twenty three? I think it is. We're made up of a body and a soul and a spirit, and you know our 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 flesh. You know that's the body part, and then you have that that soul part, which is where our mind, our will, our thoughts, our emotions, our choices all are, and then you have the core of who we are, which is our spirit. That's the eternal part of us. And the moment that we truly believe God's promise, Holy Spirit, like it says in Ephesians chapter 1, comes into our spirit. And I think, and again, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. This is, I, but I, the way that I can relate to it is this. I don't hear God, hey, Brent, here's, you know, that kind of a conversation. Right. But my spirit resonates. I know when he's talking to me. Yeah. And those kind of moments, for those of you listening out there, you know, maybe you've had those moments where you went, you know, that could have happened to anybody, but you know when God is talking to you. Right. And so you were, you were questioning, and he speaks to you. Was there anything else at the end of that story with well, that? Yeah. So uh, th- so at, at that point, I'm like, okay. I, I'm, I walked back inside and, and to some extent felt a little bit of that same kind of C.S. Lewis thing of like, oh, I guess I believe in this now. Well, I don't know what exactly what that means. I'm still kind of trying to 
process all of this. Next day, um, I, I teach um, I teach lessons a couple days a week, music, doing like voice and guitar and keys and whatever, songwriting, whatever people want to work on. And uh, I went into my lessons. Uh, that I do it out of my house now, but I used to do it in out of this little office space. And I went over to the office and did my lessons. My last two lessons uh, – both got in touch with me and they were like, we can't, I can't come, you know, I'm, I got something going on. I'm not gonna be able to make it. So I got out like an hour earlier than I was supposed to. Um, and I, uh, I called, called Jenny and was like, Hey, I'm coming home early. She was like, Oh, can you uh, stop on the way home and pick up, uh, some photos that I ordered at Walgreens? And I was like, yeah, sure. So, um, driving home, uh, pull into Walgreens. And as soon as I pull in, I'm like, this is the, I, I remembered she doesn't ever order from this Walgreens photo. It's the other one. I was like, okay. So I have to head back towards where I just had come from. And I go to the other Walgreens and uh, as I'm getting there, uh, more, more dark clouds and storm clouds are rolling in and the sun is setting and there's this really weird otherworldly yellow light Mm -hmm. that is just taking over everything it's like everything is yellow or shadows and i walked in i was just kind of weirded out by all of it went in got the photos came back out started driving and i decided to take a little bit of a long way home and um this i i turned i turned north and uh and just the darkest clouds I mean, just black clouds almost in, in the, and and then the sun is shining out from behind. You couldn't see the sun, but you could see the rays coming through and there was a rainbow across the black clouds. And and I, I turned, uh, I turned East to head home. And so there's the rainbow and the dark clouds and the sun coming through. And then just fingers of lightning went across the whole sky up above me. And, and again, anybody could have seen this, but I just started uh, to, I just kind of laughed and I was, <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. I was like, oh, okay, all right. That's, this is a little much, <laughs> but, but I, I he, get he's it. He's a little dramatic but at times. I, I get it. And I got home and the strangest thing, I got home, pulled into the driveway and it all was done. Like if it, it was like it never happened, like it and went inside and I was like, did you guys see that storm? And they're like, yeah, it looked like it was pretty stormy out there for a little bit. And then, you know, they didn't see any of it. And, um, but I, and I thought about it, like if, if my, if my students hadn't canceled, I wouldn't have seen it. Mm-hmm. If I had gone to the right Walgreens in the first place, I wouldn't have seen it. Um, but it all played out the way it did. And again, I had this second, second experience two days in a row and really, and um, those were really just moments of like, okay, this is, this is, this is a new, this is a new me and a new start. And where do I go now? Um, so that's, that's the, that's the long story of getting to kind of a beginning. <laughs> well, so I remember getting this message from you and, uh, you know, you're not an outdoorsman. Like, you know, the, the people on this show know that's, that's who I am. Right. That's, oh, that's yeah. what I do. And that's Absolutely. one of the ways that I get to speak to guys, you know, and introduce right. them to God and fun stuff. And you said, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm not wired like that. And you said, and so I, I got your book and I wasn't sure if that was something I would, you know, be interested in. I thought I'm going to read this. And you said, I'm actually enjoying this. Yeah. And I, I read it in like two days. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, I mean, I don't, I mean, I love to read. 
when I'm in the right mood. I mean, right. I have to gobble up a lot. Yeah. And you said, hey, could we like get together at Starbucks? I, I, I just kind of want to process with you. Yeah. And I'm thinking, man, God's doing something in your life right now for you to reach out and let's get together and do right. this. So we go to Starbucks. And this is where it got interesting for me because I get to I got to be in on what God was doing. <laughs> We're sitting in Starbucks and you're telling me this story. And it was it was stormy in the distance. So yeah. we knew it was coming. Right. And we're sitting there, and you get to the part about this big lightning strike and everything lighting up. And as soon as you tell me that, you're like, you're, you're putting your hand up and saying what God's doing. And boom! Yep. I mean, the power goes off inside Starbucks for a minute, you know, until it's back on. And <laughs> we're sitting there, and we just looked at each other, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. This is like in 3D. This is better than 4K. I mean, yeah. I'm watching this whole thing and going, He's, I could feel it. Right, right. And there's something about that, that spirit of God. And it, something that struck me early on in this conversation, it goes all the way back to on the bed with the, the Bible opened up and all that stuff. And then you kind of walked away in the journey, but you kept asking. Yeah. And I think that's important, you know, as we, before we start getting, winding down this, that's, that's normal. Don't think it isn't normal to be what, like a doubting Thomas. Yeah. You have a whole world right now that is throwing everything at you of, of unbelief stuff. And that's, that's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen until this, this, this lifetime is over with, but don't, don't beat yourself up because you're questioning. You are on a journey. God will, he says, you know, when you seek me, you will find me. And I think that's what's so important is this whole time, no matter where you were in your studies or, or all the fame and all these different things. And you said, when you were at the top, you were actually at your bottom. Right. And one of the things I talked about, I think it was in episode five um, challenges or gifts when I talked about this, that the hardest challenges that we go through was a story where I had almost drowned. And the only thing that saved me was I hit bottom right. and it stopped me from being stuck in this whirlpool. And I was able to get to the surface because of that. And so the whole thing, was it a good thing or a bad thing you hit bottom? <laughs> yeah. I mean, was it a good thing or a bad thing that in 2018, whatever that stuff was, that God allowed you to get to that place where you realize I can't, I can't keep doing life like this. There's something more and something inside of you was drawing you to that, but God was patient with you yeah, and he was loving. And I'm telling you right now, um, if nobody else, even just hearing the story again and seeing the journey God took you on. So those kind of, of highs and then hearing you talk about the lows and, and you have a loving father who came back. I think about the prodigals, like the prodigal son story, right? You've got the father you know, the, the prodigal son runs away and does all this stuff. And then you had the good son who should have had, you know, the inheritance at a different, you know, the way it should have been first and all this. Right. But the story isn't about the, the, the prodigal son who ran away and blew all of his money and comes back to a father who loves him. And it's not about the son who does all the right things. So the father should love him. Right. Right. But if you go back and you look at it, when he threw the party for the son, the, the, the one that was way, he, the father invites them both to the party. Right. It didn't matter what they had done good or what they had done bad. Yeah. His love for them remained consistent no matter what. And I'm saying all that if you're listening to this right now, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. You have a father that does have a journey for you. And if you're feeling him pulling on you, listen, um, there's no time frame. You know, I'm not going to try to shame some of you out there right now. Well, you better do it now. You know, tomorrow <laughs> may be too late. You know, I, God doesn't need me to manipulate for him. Exactly. He lit the skies up for you and he moved you. And then he did it with me sitting there too. And I'm going, <laughs> this rocks. Yeah. Okay. So I think those of us that have been listening to this, you, you've heard how God moved in someone's life and you're going, man, I want God to move in my life like that. And he is. 
It's really just a matter of learning to know him, to listen to him. Um, you know, let, let me say something real quick, um, Josh, before we finish up. We have something on here called Unleash Plus, and that's for the people that have the subscription membership. We're going to keep this conversation going in a minute for those who are subscribers. If you want to get more more music and more conversation, that's great. So you can subscribe to that. Just go to unleashed.men, and you can find the subscription page on there. Enough of the commercial. I want to come back to where we just ended with God lit up the skies. He lit up your spirit and he was drawing you in ways that only God can do. Um, music is a huge part of your life, my life, and even people out there that, that don't sing, music is a part of your life too. You know where you were when you heard a certain song that meant something to you. Josh, is there a song like that for you that you could tie together? And would you be willing even to you know sing us out on this? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I've uh, There's a song I've been... Uh, I started learning or uh, relearning, I guess, uh, a couple days ago. Um, uh, I grew up listening to a lot of the like Christian rock artists, and um, somebody I really loved uh, was uh, Mylon Lefevre, and he just passed a couple days ago. Um, and I, I had been kind of revisiting some of his old stuff. And there's a song that my dad pointed out to me when I was talking to him about it just a few days ago. And he was like, oh, man, I really loved his song Morning Star. And I went back and and uh, and started learning it on guitar and, and, and singing through it. And it's just a really beautiful song. And, and he's a guy, uh, Mylon Lefevre is a guy who kind of uh, went away for a while yeah. and, and, then, yeah. and then came back right. in his faith. Um, and, uh, and so this is, this is a song of his called Morning Star. Here I stand before you on my knees So Jesus help me please I want to be just like you And I will, I will Cause it's your will and I can, I can do anything because of what you've done for me. And I'll praise you till the mountains reach the sky, till the rivers all run dry because of what you've done for me. And I praise you with my lips and my guitar Cause you are my morning star Oh Jesus mm -hmm. 